Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest. I'm John. And I'm Jim. And today I have uh, had a recent epiphany. If you've been listening for a little while, you know that I've had a recurring challenge with things regarding the new covenant of Jesus and what it takes to be, you know, uh, saved or not saved or what behavior, how behavior requirements work, you know, the the fruits of uh, the spirit and the fruits of the flesh and and I've just had this this recurring this wheel been spinning for probably about over a year now, probably about a year and a half. And the way I would describe that wheel, John, tell me if, so we can get our arms around what it is that, that you're talking about. Yeah, sure. I would say um, that you know that, that we're saved by grace through faith alone. Yes. And yet there's all this language in the New Testament that the sexually immoral will not inherit the kingdom of God. Right. So there seems to be these performance bars in the context of a grace relationship, very... Uh, conundrum. Exactly. Yeah, a lot of a lot of uh, head scratching there. So, I have recently uh, had a a thought that has helped me a lot with this, and I want to talk about it with you so that you can uh, you can explore it a little more with me and help me out and kind of kind of you know. All right, lay let's it out. do it. Uh, before that, it is uh, story time, and it's your turn this week. And you know we're uh, approaching Christmas rapidly, and I thought I would just talk about a Christmas memory. Love Christmas memories. I was thinking about Christmas, my favorite Christmas moments. Some of them are very dysfunctional. You would feel like you were watching <laughs> a Chevy Chase Christmas movie or something. So I'm going to protect my family members and not tell some of those. So I'll just talk about the Christmas tree. I have my whole life loved the Christmas tree. Absolutely. I love the smell. And I love, uh, we had gaudy Christmas trees. So we had <laughs> green and red and yellow flashing lights and white, you know, flashing. We had the most hideous star at the top of our tree. Nice. Uh, with a lot of uh, tinfoil, uh, like fingers, you know, around it. Sure. And uh, stars in the middle. And just when I tried to talk Sue into us having that same kind of star, she violently disagreed <laughs> she's, uh, she's more not into the gaudy christmas tree yes but yeah. she gave in over time and now she's it's kind of like our uh redneck christmas star yeah anyway um every christmas what i would do from the time i was little from i cannot remember not doing this as soon as our tree was up i slept under the tree every night until Christmas, you'd bring out like a you bring your mattress out there. I just take a pillow out there. Gotcha, pillow, pillow and blanket, pillow and blanket. And what I would do is I would lay on my back by the tree, and when the lights are flashing, because of the tree branches up on the ceiling, it would make these weird uh, patterns. Sure, and they would just shadows and patterns and changing shapes, and and I would just lay there and smell that tree and watch the light stuff, and and it was it was heaven. It was like. Uh, my special place. Yeah. So to this day, this is my confession. I'm 59, and if Sue would let me sleep under the tree every night, I would. <laughs> I just love it. My hunch, I do believe that this memory means a ton to you. You would wake up at 1 a.m., 1.30, <laughs> get your stuff, go back to the bedroom, because it just it sucks to sleep on the floor. Well, I would empty the couch cushions and make, okay, a, make a bed or something. Yeah. I wouldn't do it on the floor, like, like but I would be you know on the floor, but with some some way to be comfortable but um i actually as a married man you know 
pitched this idea and it never went over well. So I've never done it since I've been married, but uh, up to my marriage, I sleep on the sleep on the floor by the tree. It's pretty great. I, I love did, it. I've I remember doing that once uh and I've always had the urge to. It is it is about the coziest thing you could possibly do. Yeah. Um you always got on me for liking to fall asleep with the TV on. For me it's the same thing. Just the motion, the lights. You don't feel like the stillness kind of bothers me in a totally pitch black room. I guess, you know, the TV thing to me is a TV has a certain number of hours of life in it. Mm. And to burn those hours all night long with nobody watching it feels violently wrong to me. <laughs> sure. Yeah, you're right. You can say the same, same, same thing about the Christmas bulbs, though. Oh, uh, they're cheap. They're <laughs> cheap. True. And uh, you use them once a year. So, yeah. All right. You got me. You got all right. me. All right. So uh, frame this up for us, John. Let's let's get into our topic. Okay, so uh, again, my conflict was, I feel like in the the modern church that I grew up in, and no shame to my pastor that I grew up with, mm-hmm. you know, this is this is a much bigger thing than just any one church. Um, but the uh, you know the altar call kind of salvation was always was always the if never preached as how it works in practice, that was how it it would work. So. Um, and I, and this is no shame on altar calls. You know, this is how, uh, you got saved through an altar call. If I remember mm-hmm. correct, I it, did. tons of people, probably hundreds of thousands. So it's, it's no shame on that. But in my head as a kid, I was, I was like, well, once you do the, the thing, you say the prayer, uh, <laughs> then you're, you're good, right? You're in. Right. And there's a lot of verses that, you know, in, back that up. And there's a lot of verses that go against that. Yeah. So then when I started, you know, doing more intensive Bible reading and I'd get to phrase the passages like, you know. Uh, sexually immoral shall not inherit the kingdom or uh, Hebrews gets really intense of that stuff with uh, Hebrews 10. You know, if we go on sinning deliberately, there remains no more, no sacrifice for our sins. It's as if you trod on the son of man underfoot and you crucify the son of God all over again. Yeah. Really, really intense. Terrifying. So, just terrifying. Yeah. So all this stuff, uh, I had like a mini crisis. I was, I was uh, uh, actually at work one day and I was, and I think I'd had those thoughts in the morning. So I'm sitting at my desk just like, having like a mini freak out. <laughs> and that was, you know, uh, a minute ago. And so, so uh, I think of, there's a, I don't remember if it's three stooges. I think I'm pretty sure it's three stooges carrying a piano or something. They're carrying a heavy object. And one of them goes, I got it. I got it. I got it. I ain't got it. <laughs> I got it. I got it. I got it. I ain't got it. Yeah. And, uh, that's how this feels to me is your faith. You know, you, 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 the grace of God, Jesus died for you. He loves you. He wants to redeem you. I got it. I got it. I got it. And then you read Hebrews 10 or you read, uh, passages that talk about, you know, no liar or whatever. Right. And you, and you got, I ain't got it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. And especially going through, cause in our recent little study group we've been doing, we started with John Yeah, and John is all cozy, man. You're sleeping under the Christmas tree with, with John. <laughs> it's uh it all makes sense. You know, uh, what do we do to be saved? Uh, believe in me and my, and my father sent me. What does belief mean? Uh, and he says, uh, to do the will of my father is to believe in me. Yeah. So it's, that's that's simple. Yeah. That's, the, you know, we got it. I got, I got it. I got it. I got it. <laughs> and then Hebrews, I don't got it. Yeah. So, uh, but in this reading, um, I had this, this kind of realization as far as maybe a more a different way to, to phrase because we talk about fruits you know well what is uh you know a tree by its fruits so if you're if you are go on deliberately sinning which uh um, elsewhere in in uh, the new testament in greek that word is used as uh the opposite of compulsive 
So when it talks about compulsive giving, he says, don't give, compulsively give, deliberately, and uses that word. I see. It's almost the exact opposite of not willfully, like I can't force myself to not sin. It's the opposite of that. It's with full consciousness of mind, whole 100% of my brain, no problem. I'm going to keep doing it. That's kind of, uh, that's how I, uh, the research I did in that, that passage. Uh, yeah, that's that. great. So I'm, I'm trying to get my arms around what you're saying now. So you're sure. saying that you you can find you can uh you can believe for the grace of god from the sin you fell into right but you struggle you, it sound apparently there's no grace for the sin you consciously intentionally chose with full eyes open exactly it seems that way and go on deliberately that's two two uh types of sin one the opposite of compulsive and two repetitively yeah so again in my my challenge is well at what point does how many times can you deliberately sin before it's repetitive exactly like is there a little counter there's you know <laughs> tally marks on some chalkboard in heaven yeah so these are the kinds of things that trip me up uh and so in the past we've had a conversation about the fruits and you know you know a tree by its fruits and 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 that's how you know if you're you know, you, when you, Paul writes, a it, good you, tree you test yourself. Tree. Right. Exactly. And so uh, that's helpful. But again, it kind of, I go back and forth on that between like, yeah, that's enough for me, for me to not wrestle with this anymore. And then it, sometimes it's not enough. So um, I don't even remember what I was reading. It was for this group. So it was some, you know, it was a, a passage of scripture and then, uh, and then uh, an extra biblical, but still theological reading. And uh, I was praying after it. And I don't think. Nothing I was reading led me there, so I, so I I was was praying about this, and I'm inclined to to believe that this was assistance. And I had this thought that what if it's just the way that the fruits of the descriptor of the tree? How do you know it's an orange tree? Tree you see that it has oranges on it, right? The same way that it's a descriptor, our behavior is the descriptor of ourselves. So uh, if if the whole if the coin is death or life, what do alive people do, and what do dead people do? So the whole time I'd be asking, well, why can't I bury myself six feet under dirt for 12 years and still be alive? It's like, well, because that's not what a life is. You'd be dead. Right. That's what happens to dead people. Right. And it'd be like, well, why can't I, you know, why can't a dead person live a perfect sinless life? It's like, because well, they're dead. That just doesn't, that doesn't work. So the descriptors, uh, for me, that really boils it down uh, simply. And the, the so what of that also was, why am I so concerned about what I can't do? Right, like, how, why am I so focused on the? Why is the alive guy wondering? Well, why can't I drive off this bridge? It's like, well, you, you shouldn't want to, anyways. It shouldn't. You shouldn't be so obsessed with why you can't drive off the bridge, and the reason you can't do that is because that's not what alive people do. Mm-hmm. You'd be dead if you did that. So that's kind of my help me break this down because I feel like sometimes on these tangents I, I leave out pieces of of useful context or description. So yeah, so I'm gonna say back what you said because. Um I'm not sure I'm getting it all this okay, time. So, sure. so um, why can't I, if I'm a Christian, why can't I go sleep with anybody I want to? Why can't I sleep with your wife? Why can't I do that? Because that's what dead people do. Right. And um, why can't I produce good fruit? Because that's what a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 it's still binary. It's still... Life, living or dead, and I see that um, the the way this helps me is I think well how many times do I knowingly deceive someone before that's repetitive, and that is that is who I am I right. am I'm an ongoing sinner we know that we know that we know that there's grace First John one I write this to you that you might not sin but if you do sin we have 
uh, an advocate, Jesus right. the Christ. So, uh, you know, it's not that you'll never sin, but the the language of Jesus is a good tree does not produce bad fruit and a bad tree does not produce good fruit. And there still seems to be a little bit of bad fruit on the tree. Um, it's just not a dead tree. Yeah, and that is... So I'm, I'm, I can't see really yet how this helps you entirely yet. So if it's about description and identity, right? So instead of saying, instead of wondering, did I do too many things where I'm actually dead? Right. I mean, that could be that could be the appropriate conclusion, and then you you know take action to, to remedy that. But instead of doing that, uh, a lot of the language from Paul, specifically in the letters to, to the churches he would write to, he would say... Uh, he wouldn't make calls as far as if they have not or not been called. He wouldn't make judgment like that. He would say, because you've been called, stop doing this. That's how he would say Right, it. right. And so for me, it's similar. It's, it's well, if I am alive, uh, Why stop. Why can't I do that? No, well, right. But if I'm doing, if I, if I feel guilt and I'm thinking, well, am I even, you know, saved, quote unquote, because of all of this, the, the dead things I'm doing, uh, instead of wondering that, think, well, I am alive. I've been I've been reborn. I've been chosen. Mm-hmm. So I'm stop doing those things. And and it's a it's a uh, uh, the op, what's the opposite of destructive? The opposite of constructive. Uh, constructive. It's a constructive. Thank you. Uh, uh, approach to that. So uh, again, I feel like I'm there. There's all analogies have weak spots, and the the weak spot here is again on Earth. We will always do the things of death to some extent, right? I mean, we can't. That's well, that's you know, why that's why he mentions. Uh, deliberate sin because we do naturally all have the compulsive sin don't we yes and i think the deliberate sin is a very helpful idea i know that over the years when i talk to high school students and <clears throat> i give them a blank index card and a pencil and let them ask any question they want and i'll answer it sure there's a handful of questions that are always there one of them is is masturbation sin one of them is how far can i go on a date before it's sin <laughs> sure. and i would always talk to the students about um it's interesting that we want to know how close to the death line can I be and still be alive. Right. And um, so what's helpful to me about this is um, the reason God's saying don't do that is that's what dead people do. And so I live like an alive person. And instead of uh, glancing at, well, where is that line? I just want to know where that line is. You, we usually want to know where the line is so we can stop worrying about how close we are to it. Mm. And instead, the impulse should be, man, you're a living tree. You're abiding in Christ. Pursue life. Life is in you. Like, live life. And stop staring at, well, how deadly can I be and still be alive? Yeah, and the because the, the, the same aha I had in that, in that moment was exactly that. Well, why, you know, I, I think... Because it's so frustrating, me personally, I can get in this negative headspace where it's because I can't, um, you know, just wrench my flesh into the way I want it to be. I start, I start getting frustrated when in the the reality of the moral standard we're called to live by is that it is better, that it is a, as a gift that you know the reason the original law was not as intense as the law of Jesus is because it's impossible apart from the spirit to even do the base law, let alone the law of the, of the spirit. Well, because we were dead. Right. So the, the good news, you know, the gospel is maybe more eternity focused. You could debate that, but the gospel here on earth is that we can live this way because of the indwelling of the spirit, because Mm -hmm. of, you know, the sacrifice of Jesus and because of our adoption. So it really is good news. 
Well, Colossians 2, we were dead in our trespasses yeah. and sin, and he made us alive with Christ. So it is a transformation from from death to life. Let me ask you this. Please. You have this conflict. Grace, I'm saved by grace through faith, and then I've got this shouting in my ear in the New Testament, don't live that way because anybody who lives that way is not going to inherit the kingdom. Yeah. So you have this aha, which is what? Bullet point, the aha. How's this aha solve that problem for you? The aha for me is uh, what am I? So, so product description, you're on Amazon. There's the title and the description. You click expand. You're reading the one for John Ladd, mm-hmm. you know, uh, or maybe you're in the reviews. I don't know. And, you, and it's got, you know, a thousand reviews, 4.2 stars. Okay. That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so there are one star reviews on there. Yeah. And that's pretty bad. Yeah. But maybe as a whole, and again, this feels reductive and childish, but this is kind of how I, I view it. What is my life in general? What What is, as a I see. as a way of life, what do I do? So, uh, man, it's, it's just tricky because humans are so complicated, but it's basically maybe trending. You see, you see that, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, um, trending charts for a business and it's arcing up or it's arcing down yeah and there's the valleys in each one that's the ongoing deliberate so am i doing ongoing deliberate righteousness right am i with the full body and mind do it trying to do the will of the father which is through the power of the father so Mm -hmm. yeah letting christ live in me which is still learning to not you know exert all my will and be good right because that's proven to be impossible so it is a, it is which is a, this is a subject change but it's about letting the life of Jesus live out in you because you're alive he's alive in you and so you have the opportunity to do that and what i hear you saying then is that the tree's predominantly good um this is the nature of this it is it is a 4.8 out of 5 uh not a 2.1 out of 5 well and it's never really expressed you know that the tree would be the nature of our of our lives is in growth. So, you know, the aroma of Christ is life to those who are being saved and is death to those who are perishing. So uh, we have been saved, yeah, but we are also being saved every day. You know, right. we're heading that way. Right. And, you know, uh, when Scripture talks about discipline, you know, and God, uh, he, he'll either cut off a, tr- a branch that does not bear fruit, but if it does bear fruit, he will trim it to bear mm-hmm. even more fruit. Yeah. So the branch is, is growing, you know, so... Really, my dilemma is why aren't I a fully pruned, already beautiful oh, branch? I see. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Why am I still having fruitless parts of my life? Mm-hmm. And then my my instinct, because of my, the way humans think, and because of some of these passages, my instinct is, well, because I have those branches that aren't producing, I must be heading towards the full on cut. Death. Right? Yeah. Right. Instead of well, with the help of the spirit as a miracle of the spirit, not even with the help as a full work of the spirit, those can be pruned off and I can produce more fruit. Mm-hmm. So the other part of that is that is the, you know, a big thing right now is I'm in progress. You'll, mm-hmm. you'll see that kind of in like, right, right. You know, lifestyle kind of situations. Well, I'm in progress. And, uh, the reality of it is there where, you know, we are perishing or being saved. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's one of the many, you know, we've, we've talked about it before, the already but not yet of the kingdom. It's, sure. Um, but to be honest, I mean, if you can't tell, I still don't have this down pat. This this one just but in the but, moment spoke life to me. Yeah. It, what it has done is it has alleviated um, a cloud over you. Yeah. It has set you free from the worry of am I actually in Christ? Am right. I actually saved? 
is my eternal future uh, certain? Yeah. And you would say, uh, how on a hundred percent scale, how certain are you that your eternal uh, destiny is certain? Ninety, ninety-five. Okay, that's not bad. Yeah. Um, I I think um, that you have the the right in Christ to those who believed in His name. He gave them the right to become children of God. I think you have the right to be a hundred percent. Yeah. And it's not to say that I'm a hundred percent perfect. It's to say that I'm a hundred percent His. Right. And um, and I know that if I fall over dead tomorrow, get hit by a bus, whatever, I'm in his hands because my life is in his hands right now. And the only thing that can make me question that is if I am repetitively, intentionally violating God's will and sinning with my eyes wide open because I'm not interested in him. I'm interested in me. And to, you know, to have this lifestyle of that, suddenly I should be having questions because I'm producing a lot of death in my life. Yeah. And um, so perfection is not the bar. Um, progress and process is the bar, which is what you've been talking about. So I think I'm glad you're at, you know, over 90. Um, I would I, I would encourage you, even with full knowledge that I am saved and I'm being saved and I will be saved at the end. Um, you know, it talks about if we are, if we remain faithful to the end. Right. So um, your work's not done and yet you're also a hundred percent certain. Yeah. And honestly, the bigger part of that, like this, this uh, model of thinking is very helpful, but the bigger part of my uh, growing certainty is this repetitive dwelling in the, you know, in the vine, repetitive dwelling in Jesus uh, uh, we've called it chair time. We've called it all kinds of things, but, but mm-hmm. basically, um, uh, hanging out with Jesus yeah. is kind of like the nineties youth pastor way to say it. Yeah. I was thinking and, about that today. Yeah. Uh, interrupt you. I'm sorry. Oh yeah. Well, just, just that, um, I, I, I feel more certain cause I feel like he wouldn't keep showing up if I wasn't right. his brother, right. If I wasn't adopted into the family, he yeah. wouldn't be there every time. So yeah. it's honestly, I get more, more, uh, comfort out of that. Yeah. 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 I think that, um, the I've been thinking about the chair time, the reflection time, the abiding in Christ time. I think I want this so bad for people that I know. Yeah. And um, so I keep coming back to how does this happen? Like it's it, we're both experiencing this. I think out of our group of 12, there's 12 of us experiencing this. What's the difference? And uh, for some, it's the chair time. It's the reflection alone, quiet, inviting Jesus into that space. Uh, paying attention to him in that space and reflecting on that for others. Uh, it is these, uh, the writings of the saints and hearing how they process their faith and hearing how they thought about, uh, their relationship with God and learning from that. And for me, the biggest, those are all helpful, but the biggest for me is, um, reflecting on the scriptures themselves and contemplating Christ in the scriptures. So, Mm. Um, I have this new definition of prayer I really like is that you have this ongoing conversation in your head all the time. Right. And prayer is just inviting Jesus into there with you. Right. And because I've always thought of prayer, well, I got to come up with a new conversation for God. <laughs> and it's like, no, you don't need to create a new conversation. Let him in on the one you already have. Yeah. And uh, that is dynamic. That's interactive. And when I do that with quiet, no watch, not concerned about the time, I give it undivided attention. Jesus, come in and join me in this I've been thinking this. I've been wrestling with, am I 100% certain? And I'm unsure. And what would you say to me about that? And, and uh, contemplating Christ in the middle of that, um, seeing what scriptures emerge to your mind, because you, 
they're, they're there. Those are the things that are really anchoring me in that abiding space. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, let's do, uh, let's, we'll, we'll be right back, and then I want to hear your media review, and then we'll wrap this up. Sounds good. Upstream is supported by the faithful members of the Upstream team, listeners who give monthly through Patreon. This podcast is just one part of the Jim and John ministry. They also write weekly blogs, have published their first book, and are currently at work on more. Their desire is to produce transformational content as well as offer encouragement and coaching to others. The dream is to see a movement of people who are integrating the work of Jesus into their daily lives and who are joining him on his mission to redeem and restore all things. Check out their website at jimandjohn.com where you can learn more about the father-son duo and gain access to all they have to offer. If you would like to join the Upstream team, consider partnering with Jim and John on patreon.com slash jimandjohn. A link is also available on the homepage of their website. And remember, there's no H in John. Now let's join Jim and John for the home stretch of today's conversation. Hey, welcome back. Uh, thank you to our patrons. Thank you for our listeners. Uh, we're really, uh, honestly, we're blown away that anybody would sit around and listen to us talk. So <laughs> we're really grateful. We are. John, it's a media sharing time. What do you got for us? So uh, you had a Christmas story mm-hmm. for your story. Yep. And uh, man, I actually, I just got hit with the, the fear and panic that I have not done my shopping yet. And we're... Uh, we're getting there, so I, I, I'll, I'll say it here so that when I'm editing later, I'll remember to buy some presents. But uh, I have a Christmas media review, um, and it's funny because it's not a Christmas uh, franchise by you know by content. But mm. if you ask a lot of people, especially people my age, it's a Christmas franchise. It's very funny, and I'm talking about Star Wars. The what? Yeah, I know. I know dozens of people my age who every Christmas they would watch the original trilogy of Star Wars and then the prequels when they came out. And uh, I don't understand. Well, I don't either. But now when I, <laughs> but I'm not even kidding. When I think about for the prequels, because I was alive when they came out, to me those are summer movies. They came out if I don't if I'm rem- right, remembering correct in the right. summertime. Uh, but the original trilogy, I remember hanging out at friends' houses. I remember being in my house and watching uh, specifically Empire Strikes Back on Christmas time, around Christmas time in December. Interesting. The lights are up. Uh, people have uh, Star Wars ornaments. I remember a buddy of mine, they would set up a train around their tree and we would get little Star Wars toys and play with them on the train as it moves <laughs> around the tree. I've got a ton of Star Wars Christmas uh, memories. Uh, kids in Star Wars pajamas running down to the tree. You know, it's it's, it's this weird kind of iconic uh, okay, symbiosis. This is an official listener survey. If you think that Star Wars has some mysterious attachment to Christmas, as John just described... I'd like to hear from you because I'm not buying it. Well, yeah, I would love to hear it too. Because <laughs> maybe I found just a weird niche of people, but it I, could be. I think it's pretty, uh, uh, pretty widespread. I wonder if any of the original Star Wars movies were released around Christmas time. I don't know. I know the of the the sequel trilogy. They were. I remember uh, at least two of them released. No, all three. All three were released in the winter time, toward close to Christmas. Mm. Um. I think, now that I think about it with Empire Strikes Back, which will be my show and tell for this, by the way, uh, my media review, is Empire Strikes Back uh, regarded as popularly the best Star Wars movie, for sure. And critically, it's got to be the best one. It, it's it's extraordinary. If you're thinking of all of Star Wars is very basic storytelling. It's mm-hmm. all this the, the hero's journey, Joseph Campbell. We've talked about that before. Right. Uh, it's very, very 
does not stray at all from the hero's journey. It's very uh, standard, but with really good iconography, music, you know. Uh, so it's it's fun. It, none of it is all that challenging. Uh, Empire Strikes Back is the perfect of the two of the three act structure. The perfect second act where it ends low, it ends at the uh, at the bottom before Act Three takes up to the victory. So uh, generally, if you have a trilogy or a three-act structure in one story, it goes, everything's climbing, we're good, we're winning. Then, act two, you're still climbing, gets a little intense, gets hairy, then it dips, and you're in your darkest time at the end of two, which Empire is. And then three, you win again. And what's three? Empire Strikes Back, then what's the third one? Uh, Return of the Jedi. And that's the climb back up to Hero's Journey again. Yeah. Overcoming. That, yeah. Uh, Empire has, uh, I can't remember if I said this already, but they they start off on Hoth, which is that winter planet, you know, that frozen oh, planet. Yeah, so yeah. maybe that's why it's kind of Christmassy too. You feel like, you know, the mm-hmm. winter wonderland. But anyway, if you also view these movies as Christmas movies, please let us know. I'd love I, to know that. And But they I, even I, have, they have a Star Wars Christmas special. Do you know that? No, I did not. Released know back in the, it's, everybody hated it. It was released back in, <laughs> but after uh, Empire Strikes Back. I have to say, you've made me want to watch the movie over the Christmas holidays just because I'm, that's when I'm available. Yeah. To sit down and endure and watch, not well, endure, watch, because uh, it's lengthy little flick, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. They're a little beefy. Yeah. And, uh, and they're just cozy. That I think that thing of not being challenging, that mm-hmm. you're not none of your morals are challenged. It's pretty pretty straightforward. Don't have to think too deep. Yeah, I think it's just fun. All right. Mostly wholesome. Good. All right. Yeah. Bring this home, John. Where are we going next with this conversation of yours? Well, I had a question. So, uh, you know, you just said that we are now in this. You and me and our group are now in this era of kind of growth. And uh, not long ago, I was not in this you know, area of growth. And I remember the feeling of, and I still have every now and again, the feeling of helplessness Mm. and, uh, uh, really, really challenging helplessness as far as change. And I think everybody feels this way. It's, um, for some reason I've known it forever that, uh, the difference between me and somebody else who doesn't perform as well as me or isn't as maybe as nice as me or something like that is just who they are. It's just, it's just, uh, it's gravity. It's just, is what it is. I've always had this kind of understanding. I don't really know where it comes from. And so I don't know how fatalistic that is, right? I don't know how much of that is like, might as well not even try. I've still, I, that's the dark side of that. I would love for it to be more optimistic than that. And, and the, well, really the optimism for me that comes out of that is the miracle of the spirit and the change that we're, that we have available to us. But I think without, without the spirit, it really is, you know, you really can't change all that much. So, and we've, we've had a few conversations on that, but uh, I wanted to ask, if you find yourself in the helplessness kind of thing, if you if you if you're here in this conversation and you go, the description of my life is death, and I don't know what to do about it, right? For me, that that is a very, uh, um, I identify with that a lot. So currently, or you have no, I have in the past, yeah. And so that my answer for why we're in this phase of growth is the group. It fell on my lap. You created it and you introduced and you invited me to it. And so all I did was say yes and then was faithful to the disciplines, and here I am. Which is a big deal to be faithful to the disciplines because I would, at the end of the day, I would say many people don't know what to do. So sure. they would they would say, well, I want to be closer to God. I want to keep growing in my faith, have my inner life developed. I just don't know what to do. Yeah. So that's possible. But I think the, that there are plenty of people who do know and just won't make the time. It's just too hard. The lack of discipline. Well, and because I knew the disciplines before this group, and I, I and couldn't, never did. Them. I couldn't do. You them. couldn't do them consistently. Yeah. 
So is the answer for you just find a group or how would, how would you, you're talking to this person, you're counseling this person. What mm-hmm. do you, what do you say to them? Yeah, I think that, uh, I think there's something mysterious about, uh, 12, three and one. Mm. And, um, and there's some research that has been coming out. I'm still digging through it about how this is wired into all of creation into, uh, how trends begin and things like that. Turns out, for example, for a new fad, for a new uh, uh, movement, you need 12 people, 12 really committed people. Really? With a variety of um, expertises and energies and personality types, and something can become a grass fire of cultural movement. Interesting. From 12. Yeah. And so I think 12, 3, and 1. So I think of 12 and then the 3. Um, being this barista table, I've always said, you know, you need to, you need to be a part of a bigger body mm-hmm. and then you need to be a part of a community and then you need to be, have a, have a barista table people where you are the most vulnerable, the most honest and the most committed to helping each other, uh, to love each other, but not be impressed with each other <laughs> and to really help. I don't want to distract you. Barista table. What is that? Is it just a, like at a coffee shop? Okay. Just sitting at a, Just table. a small table. Yeah, a small table gotcha. for a small table for two or three. Gotcha. And um it's like going from rows to circles to a barista table. That's the mm-hmm. way I've always kind of seen it. So you go to church in the rows and you you listen to a monologue and you yeah. worship in a big room of people and then you sit in a you sit in a circle and you look at each other and you have a conversation and then you sit at a small table for two or three and you really get down to business. Mm. Um and then you're alone with God. That's so, the one. Yeah. So I think that I would actually prescribe this pathway of, uh, and you, you could say, well, it really starts alone with God, but it actually mm. can start anywhere. So you're saying the order is not important, but no. as long as they all exist. But them all existing is, I believe, I believe that if they all exist in your life, it is impossible for you not to be progressing in your faith. Yeah. And, and, and if you have an extraordinary commitment to them all, not that you have, you know, the average church goer today is, uh, like 1.2 times a month. Sure. So not that kind of commitment and not the same kind of commitment we have to working out, <laughs> uh, you know, a real commitment and, yeah. and developing those relationships. So the big question is, well, how do I get started? And that's a hard one. I think you start with the barista table of two or three. Mm. And so you find one or two and you say, Hey, I would like to have these conversations. Uh, maybe we commit to the same Bible reading. We come back and compare notes, or we ask people for some help on some workbooks to go through. And then as we get doing that, maybe, hey, uh, are there other two or threes? And then we could just become a group of four threes, which would be a 12. Yeah. And we do this together um, and making a radical commitment to the church. So it's not easy. It's not natural. It's going to require some effort. But I, I would say this this is a great strategy. For me, because, I've, I've, again, these disciplines, this practice of, of the groups are not uh, alien to me. And I still had this sense of, of hopelessness on my own. And I wonder if that's the level of proactiveness and you would need to start one. If you, uh, one, I mean, we already outside of the church, including we have a pandemic of loneliness. We have forever, right. you know, right. since, you know, the postmodern age or whatever. So if you don't have people, do you just pursue church resources like groups or, or what would you do in that? In yeah, that I example? think, you know, one of the problems with small groups, which churches have had forever, right, is that they major on fun and food, but they don't 
they don't meet shallow they don't meet they don't meet every week and i think if you don't meet every week this is really hard to accomplish gotcha so if you meet twice a month and then somebody misses one then it's been a month i think there's a secret to every single week um but then the group has to say we exist not to play scrabble talk about the seahawks you know we can do that but we exist to stimulate our faith growth and we're going to commit to some things privately that we also share together and i think that is the secret sauce like people say well i'm going to become part of a group so i can find some friends right and then they'll help me be better christians no if you if you connect to somebody and say let's get serious about our faith friendship will emerge that is the deepest friendship you've ever had and then intimacy and fun rises out of that so we we always start at the wrong end and we never go deep because everybody's afraid to you know i'll show you yours i'll show you mine if you show me yours well who's going to go first and (laughs) so uh, i think i'm talking in circles here but it's it's these are the challenges and what you have to say is i i really want to grow in my faith bad enough that i'll take some risks i'm not going to overwhelm a buddy with all of my deep sin battles but i'm going to tell the truth and i'm going to i'm going to ask him to help me grow Hmm. um so I do think starting with one or two, and if you are alone and you don't, you say, I just don't know anybody, then start going, you know, pick something to get involved in and start watching. And so it might be, if you're a young adult, go to the young adult thing. It might be a women's Bible study. It might be a men's thing. Uh, it might be a small group at the church and or whatever, but start watching, start watching really close and then say to somebody, can I, can I take you out for a coffee? I noticed in our group, or I noticed when we've been a part of that, you seem to have a faith, a hunger for God that that inspires me. Mm. And I wonder if you wouldn't mind us trying out um, having a journey together. Sure. And so... Could you see yourself doing that? I can. It is tough because, um, because everyone knows the social rules, right? Uh, inside and outside the church. So you get in a big group of people you never met before in the church. We went to, you know, years ago, uh, just before COVID, we uh, started going to young, uh, young marrieds group at church. And there are rules, rules of, you know, unspoken rules of how deep you can go. Right. You know, and, and things you can and can't do. So it, it is just, I feel like we're uniquely in a challenging culture in it, as far as, you know, the Western, uh, uh, Western culture as far as making friends and it's, it's tough. It is tough. I think of, you know, when you went to that, yeah, um, I think of a few people you've met, not just through that, but I think of a few people you've met. And so one couple you kind of connected with, but then they moved away. Yeah. And then I know you've had dinner with some people. And so it's kind of like dating. You, you check that out and, and oh, that was fun, but you know, I don't feel that. Um, so you just keep doing that. And then all of a sudden you realize, hey, that was fun. Let's do that again. And then that was fun. And we throw in a couple of life stories. And here's something I've been thinking about. What do you guys think of this? Like even just to do that. Yeah. Uh, I've been thinking about this. I was, you know, this whole uh, life and death and tree bearing good fruit, bad fruit. It's grace, but it's also works. I've been thinking a lot. Do you guys have any thoughts about that? And just trying out a conversation. Yeah. And I, I think you have to be intentional and courageous but not overwhelming. Yeah. I think that's awesome. Uh, last, do you have any big takeaways for the conversation? Well, I think that, um, I think that the 
uh, grace works conversation is never going to go away. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I do love, why can't I do this, Lord? Why can't I do whatever I want with my body? Because that's what dead people do. Mm -hmm. Uh, Why do you insist that I live this way? Because that's what people who are alive do. And because it'd be a gift to you to do that anyway. Yeah, but we always start at the behavior and trace back to uh, what it what it defines about us. And instead, you start at what is. What does it mean to be alive? It means to be full of joy. Mm. What does it mean to be connected to God? It means to walk in truth and in light and be unafraid. Uh, what does it mean to be dead? It means you are controlled by your appetites and you hurt people and you deceive because that's what death does. So it's helpful to me to instead of looking at those symptoms and say, why can't I do that? Or why is this required of me to instead go, what are the natural outcomes of being alive? And what are the natural outcomes of being dead? And that helps me go back to, well, I'm inspired to be alive. Yeah. I'm inspired not to be dead. Uh, That's more helpful than I need to try really hard to create that behavior or try really hard to quit that behavior. Instead, I need to try really hard to just walk in life because my experience has been as I try to obey Jesus more, as I abide in him more, that I'm actually a kinder, happier, more joyful person. Sure. Why? Because that's what happens when you're alive. Right. That's what a lot of people do. Yeah. Or that's what they are. Yeah. Yeah. For me, uh, takeaway, the end here talking about the groups. I mean, when we talk about the body of Christ, right, we often, we talk about it for one, that's his representation on earth, that he's still here. And we reference it as mostly a, uh, a missional kind of thing. This is the people outside the church can see Jesus still. And yeah. that's, and that's amazing. That yeah. is, that is how it's talked about, but it's there for us too. you know, that structure, you know, the, the habitation of, of God, uh, uh, this image with that we're all bricks and we're built into this house for, mm-hmm. for the presence of God, you know, a brick on its own, it, what even is right. It's you're just there. There's yeah. no, I don't know. There's no structure there for me. This group, the power of it and the power of even this workbook that you talked about last week is uh, structure. Yeah. And maybe if you're a different kind of person than me, you might need a different expression of that. But for me, just trying to do it on your own, uh, it just never, never worked. So I, I would very much encourage you and, and to keep looking. This couple that you talked about that moved away, uh, they were just the right ones. Yeah. Very real. This, yeah. this guy, the realist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he did not blow smoke. And it was amazing. It was incredible because he was as also a, kind, and he yes, was very he, kind. He wasn't judgmental. He just was real. And as a you know semi pro smoke blower myself, I needed him to you know to <laughs> to cut it out. So uh, if it takes a while, that's that's fine. Yeah, it's not a race. Just keep going. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm really grateful for you helping me with these uh, ideas, kind of pulling more out of me. I think it I think it uh, has more value that way than just me spinning my own. Well, thanks, John. I I love doing this with you, and I love our conversations. Me too. Hey, thanks for listening. We love you. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you next week. Love to hear from you. 